Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> Hello. Telling everybody everything Halloween edition. Tomorrow is Halloween. I don't know whether you celebrate it. This country has not been huge on Halloween in my experience. In Canada and in America, equally, you can dress as anything you like. You can dress as a celebrity, a Barbie doll, put a bunch of tiny grape-colored balloons all over yourself, go as a bunch of grapes. You could be a fat man. That's what I used to be. You know, n not meaning to fat shame anyone, but it was just a wise costume. In Canadian October, if you wanted to go hard and trick-or-treat for several hours in the dark, your best costume choice was to take your dad's clothes and stuff it as much as you could full of layers and pillows, and then you'd be warm. Put some Vaseline on your face, loose leaf tea, pat that on, bingo bango, you're a fat man with a tea beard and hopefully a warm hat. This was of course before I got the memo that preteens and teens were meant to dress as suggestively as they could, wear the sexiest lingerie that they could get away with, stick on ears and a nose. In grade seven, it was seven, wasn't it? We all went as the Spice Girls. Maybe that was grade eight. I mean, either way we were 12 or 13. We went as the Spice Girls. I found a little blue mini dress. Of course, I was Ginger Spice. Painted some boots of my mother's with the Union Jack flag, made them really high and basically wore thigh highs and a mini dress to school. Um, we had crop tops in our little gang of Spice Girls. We got sent home is the short answer. All that stuff was going on. We just didn't have TikTok to publicize it. It was there. We lived in a sick culture, especially then. Okay. First things first, everybody has been asking, what is the resolution on the Sarnia tea from last week? If you missed that episode, I received a letter from a young woman in Canada who dated someone from Sarnia only to find that he was two-timing her potentially with a younger girl in a different town. And normally these are trivial matters, but when you come from a small town, small town gossip is 
everything. I don't know why it makes it extra salacious. It's probably this tribal element where everybody knows everybody. I did know this person, not very well, because I'm also famously from Sarnia. And my sister knows him a lot better than I do. So I wanted to call her, but she lives in British Columbia. So she's really difficult to get on the phone in the morning. Rang my mom, rang my sister, finally got a hold of my dad who just said, Ah, uh, tiddly tiddly leave it, Catherine, it's not your problem, and uh, that's not the answer that I wanted to hear. So I've reached out to Joanne. She was not awake once again, but thankfully the next morning she sent me this voice message on the subject. Hey, sorry I didn't answer. I am usually up at six, but being a teacher, my phone is just permanently on silent. All right. No need to get on your high horse about how you help children to learn things that they don't want to know. Oh, being a teacher, she's had to throw that in in the middle of a pandemic. Being a frontline person who, you know, puts her life on the line to educate the children of British Columbia. I just keep my phone on silent, you know, because there's nothing that should distract me from the inquiring minds of the young. We get it, Joanne. We've hung out, but only in bigger social settings. So he's a friend of mine, but I've never hung out with him one-on-one. We chat on Messenger every now and again. Yeah, whatever. What? So this is someone you've not hung out with one-on-one, yet you are messaging him through a social networking app. Joanne, this is someone who's just been accused of having different girlfriends in different towns. He's sliding in your DMs, and your reaction to that is... Yeah, whatever. The plot thickens, doesn't it? Because now this young man is sleeping with at least three women that we know, and one of them is my sister. Anyway, he's a super nice guy, but I don't know, that doesn't mean that he could never cheat. Back when I lived in Sarnia over eight years ago, I dated a dickish, asshole, twat of a Chad of a Brandon kind of guy. But he wasn't a cheater. He didn't cheat on me, and I don't think he ever would have if we'd stayed together. (laughs) Women make me laugh so much. This is what we do. Maybe it's just my family. Just time and time again, my sisters have stories like, well, I did this absolute mass murderer, animal abusing freak show. But, you know, I don't think he was cheating on me. So always a silver lining. But those other guys that you have to watch out for sometimes, those really nice guys, those nerdy guys, they're five foot eight. They might be balding. So they're like, oh, who, me? You noticed me? Oh, you'd want to date a guy like me? Those are the guys that need constant reassurance that they're desirable. So I don't know, maybe those sweet, nice guys could cheat. This is actually very important and seldomly given advice. Joanne is bang on the money with the beta male problem. And You know, there are wonderful men everywhere. I am married to one of them. But you do see this problem in stand-up comedy. Of course, loads of the comedians are my friends, and I think they're great guys. But it's usually the ones who are womanizing. They'll go on stage, and they have this weird disdain for women anyway because they weren't given enough attention growing up or whatever. And you can hear it in their material that they blame women somehow. But then they also go oh, but you know, I'm so awkward around them and I don't have girlfriends and if I could ever get a girlfriend, gee willikers, I'd be so grateful. And they're the ones who have an utter pussy parade just queuing up at the end of the show to be the one cherished girl who can see in him what no one else can while he has seen into at least five of you tonight and we are all there witnessing it thinking, 
How does he do it? And it's a weird phenomenon, and you see it with Keith Ranieri. I have been watching The Vow, and that is a documentary. Um, ooh, is it originally an HBO? Yes, documentary about Anixivim. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Nx something sex cult that started as a multi-level marketing operation. This crazy man, Keith Ranieri is a cult leader who just was sentenced two days ago to 120 years in jail for recruiting all these people, racketeering, wire fraud, mind control. He had men and women in his cult, but basically he was sleeping with a ton of the women, did like a separate female cult for them, exploiting uh, what they wanted to achieve as feminists, and was basically banging all them and branded them with a cauterizing gun put his initials into their bodies, which actually Keith Rainier, KR, happens to be my initials. How do you think I feel about that? Don't ask me how I'm watching The Vow. It's maybe I use uh, ExpressVPN to block my location and then I have an illegal subscription to Hulu.com, maybe, or maybe not because I'm not a pirate and I really believe in watching television the right way. It will be available. I think in the UK from November 20th, but I put a ban on myself. I saw a lot of documentaries on Netflix where men murder women. And I thought this is just not good for my health, my mental health. I can't watch those anymore. And I also banned myself from sex cult documentaries. This is my last one. I swear. Uh, it is funny though. He and I were chatting literally a week and a half before you came out with this whole email thing. Like we talk every six months or whatever it is. And he actually did mention to me that he was recently outcast by certain circles in Sarnia because they didn't like that he was seeing this much younger girl and felt that it wasn't right or, but this girl was over 20. Um, and he kind of made it sound like it was a thing of the past. So Maybe there was an overlap with this ex that he had a rendezvous with, or maybe not. I don't know. So that's all we're going to get from this story. The main takeaway is my sister Joanne freely uses the word rendezvous in everyday vernacular, you know? Maybe they had a rendezvous, maybe not. I'm kind of blown away that Sarnia would call out a man dating a woman 10 years younger than him, because in most cases, yes. Even if she's an adult, that is a bit creepy. It is a bit of a power structure problem. I don't know about this specific case. Look, the email could have been from some revenge-seeking person. I'm always open to that possibility that people can be very hurt sometimes in a breakup. I don't know what happened. It was just a bit of fun. We've gotten to the bottom of absolutely nothing. If we can all learn something here, it's that you shouldn't overlap. If you can avoid it, it really hurts feelings. I have overlapped in the past and I really wish that I had the courage just to have had a clean break before starting the next relationship. It is usually a courage-based issue. We've also learned that if you think that your partner is seeing someone else or behaving badly on their phone or doing whatever, then you're probably right. And now, I mean, I'm suspicious that Joanne is being groomed to be the next <laughs> woman in line. Here she is, just with her little Canadian accent, saying rendezvous, I don't know, as a, as a teacher, you know, my phone is always on silent. Or is your phone on silent? Because you are getting pings from Messenger off this beta male Casanova. Watch yourself, Joanne. I thought we should talk about witches today. Seeing as how it's Halloween, 
I didn't put any Halloween decorations up this year because last year we did this whole harvest decor. There weren't any ghouls or skeletons or anything, but a woman from the church came to the door, rang the door, had the audacity to come into my home and was like, I need you to take these down. You're inviting Satan into your life. And genuinely, I don't know what her problem was, but I feel like the world has been cursed ever since. You know what 2020 has been like. And that all started with this woman's curse. And had I been living in pagan times, I might have accused her of witchcraft. You could be accused of witchcraft just for like uttering a threat that came true, for seeming like you could predict the future. There is a lot of misogyny, of course, because some of the witch crimes were control of procreation. That was a constant theme. Midwives were often accused if they didn't bring the baby into the world the right way or if they had too much medical knowledge. There were these stories that, oh, you can make a man's dick fall off. If you deprived a man of his virile member, then you must be a witch. You could change a man into the shape of beasts. You could control and, and bewitch men. Basically, it's always going back to this idea that if women have control over anything, it must be demonic and it must be magic and it must be stopped. Witch hunts and, you know, that word is still used a lot by men usually when most victims of witch trials were women, though not all. It's very interesting. So 80% in Europe and in America were pretty much women, but there were men who were drowned and burned at the stake and hung. In some countries, it was even more men. In Iceland and in Russia, it was like 90% men who were done for like sorcery or whatever. Basically, at that time, there was very little distinction between church and state. Not like now. <laughs> and witchcraft was just used kind of as a shakedown. It started as suspicions and I think just people being bored, trying to blame what they couldn't explain on vulnerable women or anyone who defended or colluded with these women. There was a man in England called Matthew Hopkins, and he was hired to get rid of any anti-Catholic witch, and he would target women who were alone. It was thought like, well, how could you be, how could you live to be this old, or how could you not be married? Something must be going on with you. How are you living your life, um, controlling your own life without a man around? And you were also vulnerable if you happened to have a wart or a flea bite, it was like a devil's mark. And Matthew would go around with a jabbing needle checking these devil spots to see if the women could feel pain. And he was responsible for over 300 executions. And that, I mean, at that point, it's just arbitrary. If your neighbor thought that you were dodgy, or if you had red hair, being ginger, back then that's where it comes from, oh gingers, had no soul, you were maybe a witch. Witch hysteria spread throughout Europe, and then by the mid-1400s, if you were single, a widow, or any woman on the margin of society, then you were especially targeted. You were an easy target. And then over the next 200 years, 80,000 suspected witches were put to death by torture, or burning at the stake, or hanging, or sometimes they would tie their legs and arms and chuck them in water to see if they would sink or float. If you sunk, well then that's an honorable death, you're not a witch, but if you float, you're a witch and we're gonna kill you anyway. The men who got involved in this were usually ones who would defend the women that they knew. They'd go, um, excuse me, 
I don't really think that's reasonable. She's not a witch. And then all of a sudden you were a witch too. And my understanding is that the witch hunters and the civil government of the town or whatever, they realized how much they could manipulate people with these threats of witch accusation. And then they started targeting the rich too to try to shake them down for their property or any assets that you had. So witchcraft started as this like, ooh, are you controlling things by magic? These like evil women living alone. And then it spread, spread, spread to include men, spread to include property owners, just anyone that they could shake down. It was very scary to be labeled a witch. There were loads of confessions, but I imagine those were coerced through torture and people who were arrested would also implicate other witches in the town too. They'd be like, I'm not the one who hexed your cotton. You want to have a chat with Leanne over in the next barn because, you know, yes, we both have cats. I don't know how cats got involved. It was this idea that if you had a familiar, like any animal under your control and you were a single woman, then uh, you were more likely to be a witch if you had a cat. And it still persists today, this idea of the cat lady. And it's tough to say how many people were victims of this total, but there is a scholar at Stanford University who reckons the number is closer to 4 million, but it's difficult to count because it still happens. And we only learn about the American and European stuff because... For whatever reason, we really only get taught white history. But in Tanzania, about 500 older women are murdered every year following accusations of witchcraft or accusations of being a witch. Apart from extrajudicial violence, state-sanctioned violence also occurs in some jurisdictions. For instance, in Saudi Arabia, practicing witchcraft and sorcery is a crime punishable by death, and the country has executed people for this crime in 2011, 2002, 2014. This is still happening. There are witches, like Wiccans, but they do no harm. They strive to live a peaceful, tolerant, and balanced life, and all they want to do is be in tune with nature and humanity. What could be better than being a powerful witch? I love the idea of witches. I love that maybe we are the descendants of women who just like to shake things up in their town or women who liked to threaten their neighbors. And yeah, I believe also in manifestation. I don't know to what scale. I don't think that I can personally make magic happen, but I definitely know that I have some control over my energy. And if I draw gratitude and positivity towards myself, then nice things happen. I don't know. I threaten my neighbors. Does that make me a witch? I have a friend called Jordan. She lives in America and she's a witch. She always dresses kind of like with a vibe of the classic Halloween witch. She is a, I don't want to say she's a disruptive woman. I think she would be considered in some circles to be a disruptive woman. She's so classically beautiful. Like Jordan, you know, everyone's beautiful. Jordan would have been considered beautiful a thousand years ago. 10,000 years ago, Jordan is like, Jordan is beautiful by all the damaging standards that there are today, but she's also beautiful on the inside and she loves animals and she loves nature. And yes, she has a cat. She's a real dichotomy because she's strong and she doesn't take any bullshit, but she's also quite the seductress and very comfortable demonstrating her sexuality. And that's another kind of interchangeable witch must be a witch. She posted this incredible video, which I shared on social media today, but I just loved it. It's about the witches that we see portrayed in pop culture and movies. 
and how men have written them to really reinforce these ideas of misogyny. So if you think back to Wizard of Oz, the Wicked Witch of the West, she's green, she's ugly, she's like what you would imagine a witch to be. Big nose with the wart and like cackling. She's angry all the time because we're not okay with angry women. It's still not an emotion that we're permitted to feel. And when you think about what happened to this girl, she is just upset that a house landed on her sister. And she's the villain. How would you feel if you come to Munchkinland and you see just your sister's feet in the bottom of a house and some chick from Kansas who's owned by the studio and fed nothing but coffee and cigarettes just prancing around like, whoops, sorry I killed your sister. I mean, no wonder she really has a right to be angry. And in the cartoon Snow White, it's the same type of witch, but she's disguised. So when she's in front of the magic mirror and she's using magic, the evil queen is beautiful, but who she truly is, is again, the Wicked Witch of the West style, green, curmudgeonly archetype of the old witch. And Snow White reflects the fear of the raging woman and that women are always out to get each other. The queen is an older, knowledgeable woman. She should be happy with her accomplishments in her life, yet she's jealous of this young idiot, this hapless Snow White who goes around, oh, I don't know. Oh, what's this? What's that? I'm just a little girl. But apparently that's what all women want to be is this innocent young thing. It's again reinforcing this cultural fear of the raging woman. Then there are modern movies where you see young witches like The Craft. That's three witches and then four join their coven. It ends terribly because the more power they get, the more terrible things befall them. So the message here is sort of meant to be, oh, well, the more power young girls get, the more they actually can't handle it. So definitely do not give them any power. My favorite witch growing up and now is Elizabeth Montgomery's Samantha in Bewitched, which was very feminist for 1964. So this was second wave feminism. It was written by a woman and it's safe empowerment of a housewife. So yeah, she's magic. She's a witch, but she cheats, you know, by making dinner faster or cleaning the kitchen. She's not out changing the world and she gets punished for her magic. Her husband is like, you know, I don't want you to use any of your powers in this house. You have to scrub the oven by hand. Fuck off. But you know, the country liked it. Americans could watch that and feel like, oh, okay. So there's empowerment there. She was showing empowerment and agency, but within safe restrictions of being a housewife. That's a cute little video made by Quartz Media, Quartz like the crystal, if you can find it. Whoa, crystals are witchy too. And I have a bunch of those right now charging in the sun. I love the idea of witches. I love them. I'm gonna be watching Hocus Pocus with the little one tomorrow night and just teaching her that what we wanna be is witchy. Witchy in some way without getting drowned, metaphorically. And that's always the dilemma. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There are so many emails today. I don't know what's going on. Maybe because we're in a second hurrah of lockdown. People are crumbling. I sincerely hope everyone's okay and that's not the case. I'm going to do as many as I can. Catherine, this one has caught my attention because it's titled Plastic Surgery. I'm hoping for just a small pearl of your great wisdom, please. Two main points. Firstly, I'm 24 and for as long as I can remember, I've been insecure about my breasts or rather lack of them. Secondly, I've been with my current wonderful boyfriend for almost two years. He's caring, supportive, just an all-around good egg. Despite being a self-proclaimed boob person, (laughs) sounds like a great egg, he's still very complimentary of my minuscule cup size and is adamant he likes me and my boobs just as they are. However, I've always dreamed of having a breast augmentation for my own self-esteem. Despite his best efforts, I still feel that I'd be much happier with my appearance if my bras were a little more than half full. He's very against the idea of plastic surgery in general and really doesn't approve of me having a boob job. He feels it's a waste of money that could be better spent on something like a flat. So what do I do? Okay, thanks for your letter, but I already know more about your boyfriend's character than I do about yours because you've told me qualities that he has, he's caring, he's supportive, and all I know about you is how big your boobs are. And this is a problem, I think, that maybe you don't even notice it. You're placing a lot of value on this breast size, and I've been in your position too. I got breast implants when I was younger than you, and I have to be very honest, I loved getting them. I was really happy I got them. They made sense for the life I had at that place in culture. I kind of think uh, your body should definitely never be a trend, but if it was, breast implants are going out of fashion and fast. I think if you waited even 18 months, you might feel differently, and then you could avoid having a general anesthetic. Having said that, what I always say about plastic surgery is you're going to do whatever you're going to do. Just make sure you do it in a safe way. It's your life. It's your body. It's your money. Presumably, it's not your boyfriend's money. So this question of permission is a little bit difficult for me. You've been together two years. So what? We've all had boyfriends for two and four years, and it doesn't mean that they should be involved in major life decisions or any decisions concerning your body. I've been doing some wild things with my body this year, not to do with plastic surgery. I haven't had any, but I mean, I will tell you very privately that since the miscarriage, I got it in my head that maybe having lupus or different autoimmune implications somehow is making my body this like attack zone. So I have been down a rabbit hole of... Oh, medical journals and papers and seeing doctors all about autoimmunity. And I feel like I'm really close to uncovering things. But basically what I'm doing now is this wild, I don't know if it's wild. I think it's smart personally, which is why I'm doing it. But I'm suppressing my immune system entirely in a pandemic. That's maybe considered unwise. Uh, Now more than ever, you need an immune system. But I've decided that I'm just going to try to knock out my immune system as much as I can and then see if I can cure my autoimmune antibodies from attacking healthy organs and cells. And Bobby, my husband, um, he's not, you know, just a 
flash in the pan boyfriend that I love or anything. He's involved in like all the decisions equally in my house financially. Otherwise we're married and this is something that I'm spending time and money on and kind of was at one point anyway, risking my health. Now, don't worry. While this was all going on, I wasn't working. I wasn't seeing anyone. I was like bubbling and doing all the things, but he was very much against it. He was like, I think you're doing too much and you just need to chill. And I refused to do that because it's my body and it's my life and it's my autoimmune disease. And that's what I wanted to do. And Bobby made his feelings known to me in a respectful way. But as ever, he just held his hands up and said, well, it's your body and I'm not going to try to influence what you do. There are certain decisions that we all have to make for ourselves. And that is one of the many reasons that I love him. So when you ask, how can I explain to my boyfriend that breast augmentation is something that I really want to do for myself? I think it's fine to take his opinion into account because he loves you and you love him and presumably you respect each other, you value each other's opinions. But at the end of the day, it is your decision, no one else's. How do you explain it to him? You don't. You go, appreciate your input. Here's what I'm doing. Or here's what I'm not doing. I don't know what you'll decide, but I promise you the final decision should not involve him. And maybe he's insecure. Some Maybe he thinks, so once that happens, you're going to go be part of some uh, Cancun wet t-shirt contest. Who cares? That is his own shit that he'll have to deal with. You do whatever you got to do. This next letter interests me very much. Catherine, my now wife of two weeks and myself were engaged for almost two years before the actual wedding. Congratulations on your recent nuptials so that we could have a nice engagement period and save to pay for the wedding ourselves. A year into the engagement, we decided to merge our last names rather than one take mine or keep our own. It started as a joke I made, but after years of saying the name to each other, we both thought it grew on us and we decided to be respectful, talk to our parents and tell them that that's what we we're gonna do. Flash forward to releasing our wedding invites and we let the world know we would become this new amalgamated last name. I'm not gonna say the last name. Let's say it's like, oh, you know, I'll use the example, Don Porter and Chris O'Dowd got married and Don is now Don O. Porter. So that's a really cool modern way. She just took both their names and made a new last name. So I'll call you guys from here on in the O. Porters. My mom throws a major fit to my wife and saying she feels completely disrespected. She deserved to know this beforehand and not find out through social media. I try to remind her about the conversation from a year ago and she basically said that she has no idea what I'm talking about. She would have remembered that information. I politely remind her I've worked at the same place for 10 years and she forgets where that is, that I've been deployed five times to the same location and she forgets that place and that she routinely calls me by one of my four brothers' names and not my own. <laughs> the argument turns to yelling and she hangs up on me. Two months come and go, I get married. We had a wonderful wedding. We both couldn't be happier. Really, I just don't know if I ever want contact with my mother again after no showing our wedding and not so much as even liking a picture on social media. Whew, that cuts like a knife. My wife and I are talking about kids in the future. I don't really see my parents in my kids' lives. If my mother did try to contact me at this point, I would even what I would even say or how would I even talk to her? I'm just wondering if I'm being harsh or if my attitude is completely justified and fair. I've heard from both ends and some of the main arguments are, well, you only get one mother. I find this one particularly annoying because our parents had five kids, but I'm supposed to be forgiven because I only have one mother. You can't cut off family. This comment annoys me because toxic people are toxic no matter who they are. I wouldn't tell someone to stay in a toxic relationship because they were married and therefore family. 
People also say, your kids will deserve their grandparents, but I keep thinking, shouldn't my parents have thought that their own son deserved his mother? I'm tired of hearing that I should be the better person. You'll end up blaming yourself if something happens to her, like it's my fault she gets to use her age and therefore likelihood of dying before me as a reason to be rude longer than me. <laughs> Very interesting. So you're the man, presumably your mother with all these boys just assumed that that legal surname would live on and she feels somehow personally attacked, even though it's not even her last name, presumably it'll be her husband's but your deviation from the normalcy of culture that she expected is hurting her. Jeez, it's really tough because she sounds like a dick. Generally, she has gone after your wife about this. She doesn't know details about your life and she keeps getting your name wrong. Your mother is either losing it and has what is very serious, actually early onset dementia. I'm not a doctor, but I mean, I think she should remember these things. But then on the other hand, a lot of our moms just start to forget stuff. Even I repeat myself now and I'm like, did I tell that story before? I love that you don't feel bound by what your parents or society expects of you. I love that you and your wife are creating new traditions and a new path for your family. I think maybe presumably there were problems with your family in the first place, which is why you didn't feel so tied to that last name. People are funny with legacy, aren't they? And they like to hold on to things like names. And I'm friends with a man who changed his last name to his wife's largely because his father was a jackass. And he was like, that name means nothing to me anyway. And I want us to have the same name as our kids. And I just think every family needs to make that decision for themselves. So my advice right now would be do nothing. Just carry on with your wife and like, I'm worried that this relationship with your mom is hurting you. Not for her. I don't really care about her. I feel like she probably hates me or would hate me if she knew me. Um, maybe try to talk to someone just about any deeply rooted issues that you might have with your mom before becoming a parent yourself or as you enter that next phase of becoming a parent, not for anyone but yourself. Carry on with your wife and don't worry about the grandchildren thing until they come. Maybe your mom will reach out and say like, wow, I've been a total mess and I want to know these little or oh porter babies and I'll turn over a new leaf but they don't need their grandma if their grandma is a tyrant and your wife certainly doesn't need the stress of like a bullshit mother-in-law who's going to be judgmental and mean and do something as heartless as cut off her son and her family so no you're not being harsh just do nothing now and enjoy being a newlywed congratulations to the O'Porters. oh gosh here's one now from a mother whose son is being very horrible to her. It's not the same son. I'm 40 and I have two young adult sons. I was very young when I had them, but I gave it my all. I was a very responsible and dedicated mom and I never yearned for the party life or felt like I missed out by being a mother so young. Their father left us when they were eight and 10. He was in their lives for about a year after that, but it was traumatic for them as he wasn't very consistent or loving. He got bored and moved on, leaving his sons behind and ultimately leaving me to parent alone whilst he had more children with more women. Irrelevant, I know. It was hard. I wasn't financially stable. I worked three crappy jobs, made sure to be home when they got in from school so they had stability. I didn't date as I knew this would be unsettling for them. I fought for our house and made it a lovely home. They didn't love the colorful decor, but we were happy. They didn't go without and we were a team, very close and honest with each other. 
Things were great, actually. I miss those days. It shows money isn't important, as we had none. They're now 19 and 21. They've both gone their own way and settled with gorgeous, kind girls and made their own homes. Well done. The issue is, my youngest has been very cruel and cold to me over this last year, which led to him moving out. He seems to hate me and criticizes my parenting of them along with bringing up memories that I swear never happened or he's twisting what did actually happen to suit his agenda, almost like he's rewriting history to make me a terrible person. He's badmouthing me to friends and family, which is making me feel paranoid to even speak to people as I don't know what they think. I feel humiliated and desperately sad that maybe he genuinely believes what he's saying. He also keeps talking about making contact with his father. I think he wants to fix things, but feels judged for wanting that, so he hides it by saying he wants to have it out with his father. I've been honest and said if he feels he wants to, then he should, but I've warned him not to get his hopes up. I'm inwardly upset that he's cast me aside and now seems to want to chase his absent parent, but I would never say that to him. My parents have never been interested in my life, so I can relate to the abandonment he feels. I've tried all year to stop him spiraling out of control, but he just resents me even more for trying to parent. I get that he's an adult, but I feel the change in him is so drastic it's maybe due to him not being well or possibly drugs. He doesn't admit this, but the people he's with are definitely taking drugs. I find it so hard to just step back as I love him with every ounce of my being, just as I do my other son. Some people tell me to leave him to it, but how can I just give up? I've hardly seen the child I remember for a year now, and quite honestly, I feel bereft. What if this is it for our relationship and I never get my son back? I can't bear the thought that he will live his life resenting me and I won't get to be part of his life or his children's lives. The other side of this is I can't take much more from him. He calls just to upset me, pops in to pick something up, but will treat me like I'm his child and chastise me for something, or he'll send me a spiteful message. Every interaction leaves me feeling gutted, literally like he's kicked me in the guts. I can't focus at work. I feel like I want to run away from him because life is so painful. I've tried reaching out to him with letters, but he ignores them. I also now feel my whole life was a waste as raising them was all I could say I achieved, and now it seems as I did an awful job of that too. I just don't know what to do anymore. I'm questioning everything I ever did, said, and believed. That's what happens when you're being gaslit by a narcissistic psychopath. You question yourself. They get you into a position where you go, you know, as an empath, you go, shit, is that true? If you remember it that way, you know, it's very existential, this idea about perceptions being different, this, you know, pursuit of truth, whose perception is the right one. Now, I've just called your son a narcissistic psychopath. I don't mean that in a like clinical sense. I just mean that he's 19 and that he is, sounds very angry and very rebellious. And right now he's acting like a narcissistic psychopath. I think we can all see that. Is this temporary is I think what you need to be focused on because I'm not the parent of a 19 year old. Fuck you, God, wait and see what happens to me. But... I do remember having hostility about all sorts of things that didn't make any sense. And your son has a reason to feel hostile. I've read that kids process divorce and abandonment differently depending on what phase of childhood development they're at. So it could just be that eight years old and whatever he experienced in terms of you guys fighting or whatever up until he was eight affected him very differently than it affected your 10 year old. And I also think we should believe your son when he says he wants to have it out with his father. I think that's really positive because clearly he is angry. He has 
justifiable anger, and at least he's directing some of that, even in hyperbole, towards your ex. I don't know exactly what I would do, and I can totally appreciate how hurtful it is. I can only imagine how gutted I would be if Violet started treating me that way. I suppose I would do everything that I could to shift gears as her parent. Um, no, unfortunately, I don't really think you can parent a 19-year-old in terms of their illegal behavior or their rebellion or their drug taking because, you know, the, the police might sort that. But if he says, I want to get in touch with my dad, I think I would just say, great, how can I help facilitate that for you? Excellent. How can I help you do that? Can I drive you there? Can I call him for you? Can I set up a meeting? Because it sounds like he's got to do away with a lot of blame and hurt that he's got. And right now he's blaming you in a real childlike sense. Like, why couldn't you keep my dad here or whatever? It doesn't mean that you didn't do your best and you weren't a good mother. He just can't see it now because 19-year-olds turn into little Halloween monsters, I think, for a few years. Other than that, I think I would be very clear about my boundaries because you don't deserve abuse from any man, anyone, certainly not your son. I think I might write him a letter and say, I love you so much. When you send me this example of a text or, you know, belittle me in my home, I feel sick and deeply disrespected and I have to make boundaries so I don't feel that anymore. Anytime you need anything, anytime you want to have lunch or come over or if you feel like you want to share something with me the door is always open I love you so much but I can't be treated that way and that's it you know that's the type of parenting that you can still do when you're adults just be like we don't treat each other like that I hope he gets to talk to his dad because or you know ideally a professional it doesn't sound like he's maybe the type of person who'd be open to that but he's dealing with some anger what does your other son have to say about him I think that's really the person who holds the key to the truth about what childhood was actually like. I think you got to back away from this for a little while. Be as helpful as you can while protecting yourself and just trust that this is a phase and it's not going to be forever and you did everything that you can do and you are a good mother, but you can't protect them from every bad feeling and bad reaction that they're going to have. Just don't let the words of someone else alter your reality. You know what you did. It doesn't really matter what happened here or there or whose fault it was that you guys broke up. It's just, you know that you did the best you could for your children and you have to sit comfortably in that. Who cares what he's telling other people? I always think that your character will tell the truth for you. And if someone having a tantrum wants to say bad things about me, I will never correct them. I will just let them and be like, yeah, go ahead. Because in the end, the truth shall set you free. And I'm sorry that you're having such a terrible time. I think it's temporary. What a freaking nightmare. Well, thank you so much for your letters. I get so many and I'm just long-winded, I guess. I answer them and then we run out of time. But I have missed a few podcasts. I've been doing some things for the foreseeable future, at least until the end of 2020. I'll be doing one every week. Really sorry to have missed some before. Hopefully I'll get some more letters. If you want to email me, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Happy Halloween. Stick the tree up. This fucking year is almost done.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.